The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. And a happy Tuesday to you folks, January 22nd. It's the Multimedia Café. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe. We've got a fantastic program in store for you today. But first off, let me tell you a little something about the Multimedia Cafe. A lot of you might be tuning in for the first time wondering, what is this Multimedia Cafe all about? Well, it's pretty simple. You never know who you're gonna run into or what topic you're gonna talk about at a cafe. Now, a cafe is an exchange of ideas, all that fun stuff, so it's a clever name, if you will. It's not an actual literal cafe although many of our interviews are in cafes and coffee shops but when you take the word multimedia we go a little bit further beyond the face-to-face interviews we've embraced modern technology so we do them over the phone over skype over facetime watch over the computer all kinds of different things uh different ways if you will to do an interview today there's a lot of ways to ignore people That's the flip side of that coin. There's a lot of ways to interview people, but man, there's a lot of ways to ignore somebody. You ask out that hot barista, she's got a lot of ways not to get back to you. That's that's what I've learned over the last 10 years, not to disclose too much about my personal life. At any rate, we will go back to the program, the Multimedia Cafe. Hope that description kind of gave you an idea what we're all about. My name is Jason Spies. I am the host, and let me tell you who we got lined up for today. U.S. Senator John Hoven, he's been a friend of the program for a long time. What Senator Hoven talks about is how the Bureau of Land Management has a new spacing act he introduced, reintroduced actually, and we follow that quite a bit here on this program, the BLM lands and the energy rights and that sort of thing. When you look back at what the Native Americans have to go through in order to drill a a well of oil, it's remarkable. And Senator John Hoven has actually done a very good job of trying to streamline that process and make it a little bit quicker. Let me back up a little bit. Several years ago, like five, six years ago, I was interviewing uh, David Williams and I want to say Fred Fox and even Ken Hall, three very prominent oil and gas professionals in the Native American uh, world in their race. Uh, They're up in North Dakota. They have about 18% of the oil reserves under Native American land, so actually a foreign country when you think about it, but and because they're managed essentially at the end of the day by the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, uh, they had to go through 49 steps in order to drill on their land. Now, a private landowner in the state of North Dakota could do it in three days. So in three days versus 49 steps, sometimes it took them nine months. That is not a very fair marketplace. That is a competitive advantage for anyone who's not a Native American. And this is something that Senator Hoven has done a very good job of, and we followed it on this program. So just a couple comments to update you on that and give you an idea. Another thing we follow quite a bit here at the Multimedia Cafe is the uh, Unmanned Aerial Systems, the UAS, the drones. We follow that quite a bit. Uh, North Dakota 
Senator John Hoven have been on the forefront of the regulation writing when it comes to the UAS. North Dakota is one of six states in the United States that are working with the uh, FAA in order to write the regulations for drones and um, basically unmanned aerial aerials, that sort of thing. So Senator Hoven gives us an update on that as well. So two kind of quick updates from U.S. Senator Hoven on the on reintroducing a bill that's going to make it a little bit more streamlined when it comes to the Bureau of Land Management. Mineral Spacing Act is actually what it's called, the Bureau of Land Management Spacing Act. And then also, like I said, the UAS part. Then we're going to talk with Kevin Black with Credence Energy Services. Uh, he's going to talk about their 2018 incredible growth. You know, the oil and gas industry has been the only industry to add jobs over the last decade. They have a very solid industry when it comes to the economic growth of a bunch of different industries. In fact, most companies that are not oil and gas, if they have oil and gas clients, are able to hang on through some of this tough time that's going on right now. So uh, Kevin Black has found a niche, quite a niche, uh, by bringing new environmentally sound products into the oil and gas industry. Let me repeat that. He's bringing environmentally sound products into the oil and gas industry. Something, of course, a lot of protesters have been wanting for a long time. Well, it's been going on. It's been going on for over a decade, at least, that I've been covering the oil and gas industry. Now we're doing more of a general show here, but my point is, is that the oil and gas industry has been very proactive when it comes to spending money and resources on trying to make the industry more environmentally friendly. Problem is, it's not an overnight deal. This is not going to happen overnight. The farming industry is still trying to figure out how to become more environmentally sound. And the fact of the matter is, they're probably the worst when it comes to uh, having problems with the environment. So um, anyway, where am I going with this? Kevin Black. That's where we're going. Credence Energy Services. Talk with him about his growth, that sort of thing. And then there's a little, little kerfuffle happening in North Dakota. And it is so fun. We're going to follow it right here on the Multimedia Cafe. They have a new logo, the legendary logo of North Dakota. And the new logo has gotten so much backlash, Representative Marvin Nelson is actually introducing a bill, HB 1457, that would complete the redesign for the 2020 travel guide. I mean, it is a kerfuffle, and that is... That, that, that's a word we're going to use, the Dakota kerfuffle, because they have to have a contest now. Oh, there's so much politics. We have a call out to Marvin Nelson. I hope he comes on the program, and uh, I want to ask him about a few things. We have a couple of uh, his quotes, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the program as well. But right now, we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. U.S. Senator John Hoven and the Bureau of Land Management Mineral Spacing Act, and what's the latest with the UAS industry. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe.
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation. Up next, U.S. Senator John Hoven talking about the reintroduction of the Bureau of Land Management Mineral Spacing Act. This is about streamlining the permitting process on BLM minerals, and often we have common ownership between the BLM and private owners. So it's about doing things right and well, but making sure that we continue to develop our energy resources and do it in an efficient way. Senator Hoven also discussed the UAS industry, which North Dakota is one of six test states writing the regulation. Senator John Hoven issued a statement after Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow announced that the Federal Aviation Administration has selected the Northern Plains Unmanned Aerial Systems test site to serve as its unmanned traffic management pilot program. So more good news coming out of North Dakota and their UAS industry. This is Senator John Hoven. This is a big deal because it means the U.S. Department of Transportation has designated our test site to work with the FAA and with NASA to develop the rules of the road for low-level, low-altitude UAS in the United States. Coming up next on the Multimedia Cafe, we talk with Kevin Black with Credence Energy Services. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe. Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. Thank you, folks, for pulling up your stool, joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what you're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk with Kevin Black with Credence Energy Services. Gives us a recap of his 2018 and his incredible growth, along with uh, what they're going to be doing in 2019. They added, they went from 15 to 50 employees. So imagine that, 15 employees to 50. It's gonna be a fun conversation here with uh, Kevin Black with Credence Energy Services. Credence Energy Services, Kevin Black. All right, Thanks you. thank you for joining us. Thanks you, boy, nothing like starting an interview off with getting your foot in, <laughs> foot in your mouth and a fat tongue. So anyway, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. We're uh, we're out in Western North Dakota, 
um, checking out a few locations and some of the offices out here. So uh, a busy, another busy day. And now it's been a while since we've talked here on the program, but I'm going to see if my memory serves me right. You're out of Minot, but you you are going to Williston, Watford City, and, and down even probably into Dickinson, huh? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we have an office in Minot, but our main base of operations all come out of Williston. Uh, our customers are spread out all across the Bach and everywhere from Tioga down to uh, down to Dickinson and everywhere in between. So uh, we're, we're on the road uh, visiting our customers quite a bit and obviously back and forth between Williston with, with our own team. Is that where you're finding the bulkier work is, is Williston these days? As far as our customer goes, the, the bulk of our business is really kind of following the trend of where the drilling rigs have gone in the last two years since the downturn. And that's really concentrated in the, the Williston Dunn Center area. Uh, but we also have uh, still the core, the bulk of our business is still really uh, between the Williston uh, over to the state line and then back over to the east of Tioga. Okay. Um, and I always like to ask people too, you know, uh, boots on the ground, eye, you know, eye in the sky type. What, what, what are you seeing? Are you seeing, um, you know, some of that growth they're talking about? Is it, you know, are we looking at signs of the downturn type of a thing? I'm hearing both sides. So you're, you're actually on the front line. So what are you seeing out there? Well, what we can see from our customers, uh, you know, really going all the way back to third and fourth quarter of 2017 and then really heavily all the way through 2018 our customers were were very very aggressive uh with their drilling and their completion plans uh we primarily focus on the production side but uh, obviously the more wells that are being drilled and completed the more producing wells so our our just our organic growth with our customers was pretty significant uh 2018 was an incredibly busy year it really in a lot of ways felt like we were back in the boom of uh, you know, the 2011-2012 time period. Now, obviously, the last couple months, really since September, we've seen a, a pretty significant uh, slide in oil prices. Uh, today was another tough day, down about 5%. So with WTI now a little bit below $50, of course, that, that's certainly going to be in, in, the, in the back of people's minds, if not in the forefront. Uh, still, based off even conversations we've had today, our, our customers are still planning and uh, aggressively pursuing their drilling programs and we expect them to keep the foot on the throttle as we enter 2019. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on the price of oil if it doesn't stabilize and if we don't see a you know a, a slighter mod modest correction in Q1 and Q2 um, I foresee um, probably perhaps a bit of a pullback but we'll before we get too far ahead of ourselves you know we'll focus on what we have right now and and what we have right now is a pretty busy Bakken, uh, pretty much running on all all cylinders. And really the the price isn't as much of a problem uh, today as it is still the challenges and labor shortage and uh, infrastructure for gas capture. You know, and this is something you certainly don't have to answer this question, but um, do, do they ever, do, do the oil companies or the energy companies ever give you a price range that, okay, business is going to slow down once it hits 40 bucks or 30 bucks or 45 or anything like that. Or, and I don't even know if they would even know, um, that type of thing, but do those conversations ever happen? You know, just kind of, you know, kind of where you have to start kind of having a heads up for, you know, if prices get to a certain point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, 
not not often do our customers come out right and and tell us here at this price point we're gonna we're gonna cut back our drilling program. These are very fluid conversations um, internally for them, and things can literally change by the day and the week. Uh, but generally speaking, internally, our customers have a I, I believe have a very very solid understanding of at what point they are profitable and at what point they are, they are not. Um, you know, we're still in a range that I would say most operators would say they're still profitable um, and going to continue to invest. Obviously, I, I would I know that most of them would prefer to be above where we're at right now, um, with WTI being, like I said, just dipping below fifty dollars a barrel. I'm sure, most would be much more comfortable at sixty or above, but. Um, once we start getting below 40, uh, that's when there's the really significant pause for concern. Although, as you know, Jason, uh, during the downturn, uh, the industry made significant strides in becoming much more efficient, being able to do a lot more with less, lowering their overall cost for drilling and completing wells, lower the overall uh, cost for, for lifting. Um, so they can certainly operate in a lower price environment, but... Um, Certainly, we'd probably everybody would like to be a little higher than where we are today. Yeah, no, and you're right about that. Um, I just remember back when it was it was thirty bucks, the Bakken was still putting out a million barrels a day. Now that doesn't mean any, that doesn't mean anybody was making money, but um, you know, because a lot of these oil companies they they, they don't want to shut these these rigs and the momentum down because once they do that. Who knows when they're going to start it back up again? Because they got to go find the crews and they got to go find the personnel and get the logistics back working again. As you know, so they'll you know they'll break even, and companies like yourself will probably even sharpen your pencil from time to time if it dips below a certain point and that sort of thing. But um, so you kind of that forty dollars, but fifty the the um, thoughts at least start happening. I, I would bet, yeah. So. Um, well, yeah, and, and just to follow up with this, yeah. is, you know, the, the oil and gas industry certainly not, you know, for the faint of heart, and we're really playing a long-term game with this. You're exactly right that we, we're in a, we are in a massive job shortage because so many of those folks with significant in- industry experience were either let go or had to find other work uh, during the downturn. I think a lot of companies are going to be cognizant of that um, if if oil continues to slide, not not to say that it will, not to speculate, but I mean, workforce is so valuable and it's what's been really holding us back for the last year and a half here. And I don't think a lot of service companies and, oper- and operators are going to want to let good, valuable people go um, in, a, in a knee-jerk reaction. Again, I think people who are here are here to stay for the long term. No, I agree. Um, Kevin Black, Credence Energy Services. Um, I, I want to circle back to that job market um, or the job workforce. I, I had a great conversation with uh, Michelle Comer, the uh, North Dakota Labor Commissioner, and I kind of want to fold that into the conversation. But uh, first, before, just uh, tell the audience uh, quickly, uh, what it is your company does, how, how you fit into the whole oil and gas puzzle. Yeah, you bet. So we're, we're an oil and gas uh, chemical service provider. We primarily focus on production chemicals. The best way you can think of what we do is we're like the doctors and the pharmacists of the oil field. Uh, just as the human body uh, over time starts to uh, break down and have issues, uh, you go to the doctor, you take 
blood work, uh, they diagnose you, and they put you on a prescription. Same thing happens with us. As these oil wells break down, they're susceptible to things like corrosion, metal loss, um, mineral scale deposition, which essentially plugs up plugs up uh, the flow lines and the tubulars uh, below surface. And what we do is we go out and grab samples of the, the water, uh, the brine, primarily the brine, sometimes the gas and the oil. And what we do is we run that through our lab, try to predict what type of problems might happen and prescribe a chemical solution that we treat the well on a regular basis with uh, to essentially extend the runtime and make that well uh, a more profitable operation. Okay, and I'm glad that you explained it like that because your job, uh, your, your, your job essentially has been created because of the latest shale bloom, boom. Is that, is that fair to say? Because there's been a whole new bunch of industries that have, have kind of popped up because of the new, new technology that has come with this. Um, is, is that, I mean, how, how much of your company is, is part of that old school non-horizontal drilling or is yours kind of been been kind of created because of the horizontal drilling well it uh a little bit of both uh certainly production chemistries have been used in oil and gas right uh, right since since it since rockefeller started uh but mr kevin black i'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two when we return we're going to continue the conversation with kevin black with credence energy services my name is jason spies and this is the multimedia cafe Back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation. Up next, we continue our conversation with Kevin Black with Credence Energy Services. Well, it uh, a little bit of both. Uh, certainly, production chemistries have been used in oil and gas right, uh, right. since since it since Rockefeller started. Uh, but we uh, during this boom, uh, we are faced with new challenges that. We've had we've actually pioneered solutions here in North Dakota as an industry right. that um, they haven't had to deal with in the past. Uh, our water, the the brine that is produced along with the oil, is is uh, concentrated with with minerals such as iron and calcium. Salt is a big problem, and it's also very corrosive brine too. So we've had to develop technologies, um, chemistries, application methods in the Bakken um, that really are new. Um, just to, to tackle just the the sheer harshness harshness excuse me of of Bach and Bryant and so yeah and and my point for that was um, more just the outlining the technology and how it's kind of changed some things you know and the uh, on the flip side of it you know you've got software technology and you've got yes. drone technology you've got sensors. Um, one of the things that is kind of is becoming more of a reality every day, especially as you know we, we talk here in the winter time. Um, the, the Bakken has got some competition. There's some other shale plays going on, but now with some of the remote working stations and some of the remote sensors, some people don't even necessarily have to to um, live here. Um, you're you're somebody that lives out there and works out there every day. Um, is, is that part growing? Are people buying homes? Do you know what I mean? Because 
Uh, Michelle Comer and I were talking, you know, there's a lot of jobs. There's a lot of competition. Um, we've talked over the years about the amount of investment going into Watford City and Williston and Tioga, Minot, for that matter, Dickinson. Yeah. Um, are, are you are you seeing families sticking around, you know? I mean, um, are, are you seeing that or are most of these people just, you know, waiting for p- prices to drop below a certain amount and then they'll go back to Oklahoma, I guess, or whatever. But um, do, you, do you know my, what, what my, yeah, you know? I'm, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And there, there's, a, there's a couple different layers uh, to that question, which are really good. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, we have to always be cognizant of the fact that we are in absolutely in competition uh, for, for resources, for human, human resources, for capital. We're in competition for all those really critical things to develop this oil play with Texas. Um, and with other plays, not just in the United States, but across the world. Um, so we have to keep that in mind when we're talking about policy, when we're talking about taxation, uh, when we're talking about regulation. Uh, those are all really important things to make sure that investors are looking at North Dakota to send their capital to develop oil here rather than other places. Um, when it comes to the human, uh, human resources, human capital side of it, we, we, are, we are still really in need of people to come to North Dakota. Um, as, as this industry, as the oil and gas sector, what I truly believe is coming more of a true industry in our state, uh, there's, there's all the infrastructure that goes along with it. There's the gas processing facilities, there's the pipelines, um, there's all the things that are on the production end where we need people who are here for the long haul. Um, there's always going to be that faction that, that come in, um, you know, the, the frack crews or the drilling crews that might be based in. Colorado or Texas that'll come here and do their stint to go home, and that's fine. Um, that's not a bad thing. We need those people to bring their talents and their expertise to North Dakota and share that with North Dakota. But as time goes on, the the population of people who are here permanently and who are going to build careers and put roots down, set, uh, raise families, send those kids to schools, that population is only going to continue to grow. Yeah, you bring up a good point that I, I forget about oftentimes is um – the, the amount of infrastructure that's going to be built over the next 10, 15 years. I mean, you take a look at, you know, just what Hess has on the books to be built, the Davis Refinery over yep. in Belfield, um, One Oak, uh, the expansion that they're doing to their gas plants. And that's not even talking about the pipelines. That's not talking about the roads. Uh, I mean, the the Western North Dakota roads, some of those are actually being built for cars for the first time ever. I mean, but, but, but well, before they were like built for, you know, a couple combines a year and that was it. Yep. I mean, Absolutely. People, people don't understand that, that there, a heavy rain actually would take the roads off the, uh, off of the, you know, take the cement off the roads. Um so yeah, I, I see. I think that's a good thing because when you, you you have construction like that, your population is going to just grow based on that. Um, right. when, when you have that much available work that's going on. In fact, I was just talking to a um, guy the other day in Fargo, and they they're going out to Bismarck for work because the uh, work's kind of drying up on the eastern side of the state. So they're going out west to find work. So that that tells you where it is. But one of the things, um, I reason I kind of I'm asking these questions is um, I agree with you that the oil industry is here to stay. It is, to me, I, I, I say it's just like ag now. It's based on a price. 
If the, if, if the price of wheat is something, well, the farmers are going to plant wheat. If the price of corn is this, well, the pri- the farmers are going to plant corn. Well, if, if the price of oil is, is this, they can drill this many wells. If it's if it's the price of this, they can drill this many wells. And that's really where it's at. It's, it's almost um, predictable, but it's not because... <laughs> it's it's the oil industry. It'll never be predictable. But um, what, what what do you see on this in terms of where do you see the industry going? Um, do you see it being sustained, like to where it, it, it's going to be something where you can you know sustain a business on that type of thing, or do you still see the boom bust that's already there? I mean, the boom bust that was there before. Well, I, I think you'll always have a bit of both, but I think the the portion that is going to be growing and most prevalent down the road is the more sustainable and stable uh, components of the business, right? Um, you're you're one hundred percent right. With, uh, price, I mean, we're dealing with a global commodity, so we're always going to be subject to that commodity price, and that's largely going to drive investment. Um, and that investment uh, is going to make an impact on how many rigs we have drilling and how many wells we're completing. But we still have now, uh, we still, and I think we're right up against 14,000 wells, uh, according to Lynn Helm's last uh, director's cut report. We're almost to 14,000 wells, which is remarkable. And those wells are going to be produced, you know, despite the ups and downs. Um, companies like Oasis are making, you know, phenomenal investments into gas plants. Um, so I, I just, I really don't. There, there will always will always be subject somewhat, you know, to that price fluctuation. But this is, I, I believe, a, an industry that's going to be long lasting in North Dakota. Uh, we can be we can be excited about this industry, um, and I think you know we just have to realize that we are in competition though with with other with other plays such as Texas uh, for for attracting investment. Well, I think that's one of the biggest. Um pieces of this whole story that needs to be told a little bit more that, you know, it's great to rah, rah, rah and, and, and talk about the things that are going good. But at the same time, you're, you're right. There's some serious competition out there. I mean, um, North Dakota, what, what do we got? 15,000 jobs available, something like that. I mean, yeah. you know, and it's a, and it's a lot and to put it in perspective right now, one in every five jobs in the state of North Dakota are energy related. And Mr. Kevin Black, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought one more time. We've got to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to conclude our interview, our exclusive interview with Kevin Black with Credence Energy Services. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the earth crumbles under my feet Even when the ones I love Turn around and crucify me I won't never ever let you down I won't fall, I won't fall I won't fall as long as you're around me 
Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation here with Kevin Black, Credence Energy Services. We continue the conversation and conclude the interview with Kevin Black. So that really puts things into perspective in, in the fact that energy is oil and gas is really um, making a permanent stand here in North Dakota. Well, and the thing about oil and gas is they're the only industry in the last decade so when you take a look at all the different industries, the tech industry, the, the entrepreneur wave that we had, um, you know, all these different things, the only industry that has got a net gain of jobs over the last decade is the mining industry, which is what oil and gas is in. And oil and gas has driven this thing. Is They're the only industry that's, that's actually gained jobs over the last decade. So when, when you think about a state like North Dakota, that's trying to get to that next level in so many different ways, whether it be the flood diversion project on the east side or whether it's infrastructure that needs to be built on the west side or whatever it is, they need the, they need the energy industry. They need it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I don't know the exact number as it stands right now, but nearly half of all the state revenues are coming directly or indirectly from oil and gas. So when it when it comes to this state and funding the state's needs, like whether you said whether it's water projects um, or, or other uh, human ser- health and human services, whatever it might be, higher education, all these things, oil and gas is feeding is driving a lot of those tax dollars their way. Um, so so we need to so we need to make sure that we're we're creating responsible. Uh, regulations, but we're not driving, you know, investment other places. You know, and the other thing that people forget about, especially on the east side of the state, and I think a lot of legislators forget about this too. We don't really get too political on this program, but what we do do on this program is we have a lot of people on that donate money, that mm-hmm. that give money to the local schools, that donate a million dollars to Wadford City's emergency services so they can have a new hospital wing, that that type of thing. And in addition to paying their taxes, in addition to all of that, they still give millions of dollars to the local community. Imagine if they didn't give that money to the local communities. I mean, do you know what I mean? I mean, uh, they, they, I, I think they have one of the, I think the oil and gas extraction tax is one of the highest in the nations, actually. It is. Yeah. yeah. You know, between the extraction and the production tax, we're at, you know, an effective tax rate of 10% 
on, yeah. on, on every barrel that's produced. There's no other industry in the state of North Dakota that gets taxed at that level. So to me, that, uh, that that's one of the biggest stories is that the oil and gas industry pays so much money in taxes. And then on top of that, they're also paying for the Little League softball jerseys and the Watford City uh, MRI wing. And the, I, I don't know what Hess is paying for to my not, but I'm sure it's quite a bit. Uh, I mean, companies like Hess and, you know, all, all the Whiting Oasis, I, I hate to even start naming names, but when you when you put all the oil companies together and the service companies, unfortunately, those don't always get the headlines because um, they're, they're not controversial and they probably don't get a bunch of clicks. But what they give back to the community is really phenomenal uh, in the way of schools, hospitals, everything. I, I mean, I, I'm amazed at it. Like I said, I mean, when, when you actually take a step back and think they pay that much in taxes and yet they still give that much more beyond that, where's, I mean, that, that that's when you can get political and say, well, where's all that tax money going then that they're not, I mean, you know, and then that's, that's a whole other issue because then you got to realize you got to give it to the state and then the state divvies it up and then politics gets involved and then you jump out the window. Um, anyway, so, um, well, you, you are, are, you're not getting, are you going to get into politics? You kind of sound like you're, um, your, your voice is getting down that path a little bit. And I saw you did an ad for, um, for, uh, th- this political season or is, is that, uh, something you've been approached or are you thinking about it? Well, we were happy to do the ad for, uh, <clears throat> Kevin Kramer, uh, what he's done for small business in particular, strip the oil and gas thing away. Um, what he's done to advocate for the uh, for the tax reform bill at the end of last year was absolutely massive um, to allow small companies like ours to uh, to take that money and reinvest it back into our not only just our people but our equipment, our facilities, our research, all of that. It would it would be a drastically different ballgame. I know for our company if that tax reform hadn't taken place, and I can only and we're just hmm. a small player, we're a small fish in a big sea, so I can only imagine what it would be like for the rest of the uh, small business out there. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of uh, politics, we, we uh, so we're, we're really squarely focused on the business, but doesn't mean we're not going to uh, make our, our, our voice uh, known uh, in terms of where we stand and, and advocating for small business, advocating for oil, oil and gas. Um, that's something we feel passionate about and, and we'll, tr- we'll continue to play our part, whatever that might be. Uh, moving forward, but we, you know, we obviously want to be involved with the political process. It's an important thing to be involved with. Um, it makes the political process makes a massive impact on not just our our personal lives, but on our professional and our business. And we feel like we need to play our part in that. Well, good. Okay, yeah. Um, no, I just thought I'd I'd check to see if you were thinking about running for anything. There, you kind of. There's seemed... nothing on the. There's nothing on the docket. Okay. Right okay. Now. Uh, you're going to stay active. Well, that's good. Um, hey, by the way, did you see what they tried to do in Colorado with the oil and gas? Yeah, it was. Uh, it would have been an abs- It would have been a death blow. To, it literally would have been a death blow to oil and gas in Colorado had they pla- uh, passed uh, their proposition. Um, the, the number of the proposition is eluding me, but it, it would have effectively killed oil and gas production in the state of Colorado. And I think it. You know, the proposition was probably very appealing to the environmentalists. Uh, but as as they started, I think, to do the financial analysis on the impact of oil and gas on their state and the lost revenues that they would have had, I think people started to waken up 
you know, pretty quick, uh, that it was, it would have been a terrible, terrible proposition and, and it did fail. So, well, thanks again, Jason, for, for having us on. It was good to visit with you and catch up. I think the biggest takeaway is for those who are in the industry, what I'm about to say is pretty commonplace, but for those perhaps, um, outside of the, the Willison basin, um, it's just important to understand what an incredible resource we have in our backyard. We literally have a world-class oil and gas play here. It, it, this is not small potatoes. This is absolutely world-class. But that comes with some pretty significant challenges ahead of us that could turn into massive opportunities for entrepreneurs and small business across the state. Thank you, Mr. Kevin Black, for taking the time out of your data. Talk to us a little bit about some new environmentally oil and gas friendly, environmentally sound, environmentally friendly, all those buzzwords, you know, that you hear when it comes to the energy industry. And again, this is another example of how the energy industry continues to be proactive and tries to become a cleaner industry as a whole. I've seen it with my own eyes. So, all right, folks, well, that's going to do it for today. Oh, let's just go over a quick little reminder here with the... um, uh, logo kerfuffle, fuffle, fuffle that's happening in North Dakota. So we've got a call out to Marvin Nelson, Representative Marvin Nelson, to talk about this logo issue that's going on there, where the state redesigned their legendary logo and it turned into just a brouhaha kerfuffle like you've never seen. And so now they're actually introducing a bill, HB 1457, which would compare the redesign in time for the 2020 travel guide and in addition the department of commerce is going to have a contest so the first place winner gets 50 grand the second place finisher gets 25 grand and then five grand to the third fourth and fifth place contest winners well we're going to have uh, marvin nelson on later in the week i certainly hope so to find out more about this i think there's more to this story than you can you know what? We should play Name That Tune. I bet we can snuff out this this uh, political agenda of a story in three questions. Hmm. Name that tune of interviews, that sort of thing. So, Anyway, something to look forward to later this week. And uh, there's your homework assignment. If you have a chance, check out the issue that's going on with North Dakota's new logo, where it looks like something that was done in a Microsoft Word document and the state paid thousands and thousands of dollars for it. All right, well, I'd like to thank Kevin Black for joining the program and U.S. Senator John Hoven. This is the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies, and that's going to do it for today, January 22nd. It's a Tuesday today, and I hope you folks enjoy the day. From the staff of the Multimedia Cafe, we're asking you to enjoy and savor life and all the spice that comes with it. That's going to do it. I'm Jason Spees. Thank you, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. One more time. Let's pull it all in that railroad station out here. I see Fargo coming up. Jason Spees, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you. And the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. 
and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 